Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lovely to see you again. You too. We socialised. We did on the weekend. Came round to your house. Mm-hmm. It was great. Was it? Just checking. Was it? Well, do, do you was not it? think it was? No, no. But I'm just checking that you thought it was okay. I think you think we outstayed our welcome. No, I, you could have stayed longer. I was just on my own with Rudy. Like you could have stayed and stayed the night if you wanted to. I'd been fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, there was one point at which um, you put out a big bowl of crisps. Yeah. And I said to you, what flavour are the crisps in this bowl? And disappointingly, you said they are, what flavour were they? Paprika. 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 Because I thought you'd mix different crisp flavours together in the same bowl. And I was so excited at the prospect that you might have done that so that it would give me (laughs) something to talk about on the podcast and tease you about. (laughs) I'm not a philistine. I know not to mix crisp. <laughs> oh, it would have been so great. I know, I know. Um, I just wanted to compliment you as well on something. Go on. I wanted to compliment you on that lovely bowl of boiled potatoes that you put out. Yeah, you're going to mention that. What? No, no. I thought I thought it was why? Why do you? Why are you laughing like I'm saying a bad thing? Because why are you assuming that I'm going to say something negative? I'm, going, I'm actually going to compliment you. Okay, keep going. I'm going to compliment. It's going to be you. backhanded. That's no, what it is. Keep keep no. going. I'm listening. A lot of people would have felt pressure <laughs> to cut maybe some Here butter, some salt. Here it comes. Maybe a herb like dill or mint on those potatoes, but. I, I thought it was really lovely that our relationship is so comfortable <laughs> that you thought it was okay to just put out some potatoes boiled in the skins with, with no accoutrement two in things, there. Two things. Yeah. One of which you know. What? My fridge was broken. I had no fridge. Mm. It arrived that day. I had to wait four to six hours for the gases to settle. I know that, but you were you did have a cool box on the go. Yeah, but I didn't buy any butter. I forgot to buy butter. Olive, but olive oil, I did. Olive oil. I did <laughs> Mint. Yeah, but the kids salt, don't want the kids salt. don't want olive oil all over the potatoes, do they? They're like a plain potato. Anyway, I was going to get the mayonnaise out. This is mm-hmm. honestly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I walked into the garden. I heard you say these words to your wife, and then looking back, you're being sarcastic. You went, "Isn't it nice just to have a, like a simple plain potato?" And I thought, "Oh, well, I, I, I'll put the mayonnaise back then." He's enjoying it. He doesn't want any like anything on it. <gasps> Those two things combined meant that you were served a plain potato. But there was other things as well. There was hummus. No, no, no. I know. I know there was, and it was. It, I, I. What I liked about it as well is, like, I've often wondered what Here would it, it be like Here to be comes. in a Russian gulag. <laughs> like, what would it be like the food they would serve in somewhere <laughs> like that? And My fridge was broken. No, no. It's, 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 it was nice. It was nice. I really had a. I don't think I was being sarcastic to Sarah. I think I was just like, oh, right, saying something. Oh, okay. Just saying. You was commenting on what you're eating. I don't know why I was feeling the need to fill a silence with my wife when there's <laughs> you know, there's a lot of silence. We've been married for how we've been together ten years. So um Also, number three, hmm. I was on my own with Rudy all that day, so I didn't yeah, have time yeah, for yeah, anything yeah. fancy. So I had no, no nothing to no, no. I was and I was very busy, so mm. yeah, hence the plain potatoes. But like like I said, yeah, there no, was the, the things I was describing, like putting some salt out, would have taken an <laughs> Ill, inordinate amount of time. So salt. nobody could expect a, a mother on her own to be able to put salt next to the potatoes. Olives, no aubergine dip. 
many things. Many things with very strong flavours. Anyway, keep going. Carry on. <laughs> oh, I, Guacamole. I, I wanted to ask you something as well. Oh, no, here it comes. I wanted to ask, uh, I wanted to ask you um, how Ian Wright's autobiography was. Oh, I don't know. I'm not reading it. But, bought, it's, but bought, it's next to your bed. No, I bought it for Tom. But it was on your side of the bed because no, that's the, the, no it must have been your side of the bed because by deductive logic on the other side of the bed there was a book called the the life changing magic of not giving it an F. You gave that to me. You gave that to did me. Did I? You did give it. I mean, I made it like I asked. I think someone gave it to you, and I went, "Oh, this looks good." And you went, "You can have it." Sorry, right, okay. Right. I said, "Okay, I will." I, I haven't read it yet. Oh, I thought thought if there is somebody I know who isn't ready to embrace the magic oh. of not giving an F. No, but I would like to. Sure, you'd like to, but yeah. h- how many pages into that book are you? Five. I need, I need to finish it, don't I? But, but was it five pages three months ago and you've not looked at it since? I think you gave it to me about two years ago. Right, well, there, oh, there you sure go. I'm still there. Oh, I feel a little hoist by my own petard oh, bringing that up now. Yeah, yeah. The point remains, though. Mm-mm. You're not. That's not the book for oh, you. No, I know. I'm glad that I fobbed it off on you. <laughs> I saw one of Jean's old toys that I fobbed off on you as well, and oh, I was I so it's awful. It's so like, you, literally, I can walk within three feet of it. And it just goes. It's so sensitive. <laughs> goes within three feet of it, and it goes off. Like, I know. I know. I hate it's it. awful. So, I hate it's it. awful. I know exactly why you gave it to me. Exactly. It's like it's this cursed item, and I was so pleased to have it out of my house. Mm. But when I gave it to you, it was in the knowledge that it would be cursing you. And I'm thinking, who I can give it to, and I'm yeah. making plans. Yeah. So. It's a model helicopter from Thomas the Tank Engine that talks. So annoying. It's deeply, deeply, deeply annoying. Um, But the reason we came round, the reason we were there, is it was a special occasion at Annabelle's house because it was the switching on Mm. of your new fridge. Yeah, I'd gone a whole week without a fridge. My old one broke. The new one arrived that day. Um, I worked out the timings and I was able to switch it on at 3pm. It's extremely so exciting. So I've, I've never heard of this before. Yeah, you have to, it's what the guy told me, you have to, you can't plug it in, they deliver it, install it, and then he said you can't turn it on for four to six hours because you've got to let the gases settle. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't doubt it. Mm. And also I wouldn't want you to... Uh, have unsettled to gases. No. no. But I really enjoyed, we did a big countdown. Yeah. And then you switched it on. Mm-hmm. And then... There's a beautiful moment mm. when we got to see your new vegetable crisper, mm. which has a unique feature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, it does. Before I explain what this unique feature is, I would like to point out that um, I needed to get an exact sized fridge because it's an integrated one. And it was the cheapest one that was the correct size. I did not buy it for this feature. Okay. okay now I'll tell you what the feature is. It's called Harvest Fresh. And the lights change within the vegetable crisper throughout the day. I think it's blue at night, green in the day and red in the evening. And it imitates the natural cycle of the sun. And it therefore, logically, keeps your vegetables crisper for longer. Doesn't. Just with coloured lights. Yeah. I mean, I, t- I say it doesn't. I haven't tried it yet. Maybe it does, but... I, I am not a, a, a horticulturalist, a mm. farmer. I, you know, I don't know much about growing vegetables. Mm. When when vegetables are under the light of the sun in the wild, so to speak, mm. or in a farm setting, mm. <laughs> aren't they connected to a plant? Is that, is that sort of like a big part of the process as well? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, like I say, it was just an added feature. I wonder if it works. Well, I, I, ask me this time next week if you're interested. I'll let you know. Because it didn't seem like, you know, um, when people have, is it called hydroponics kits? What's when that? they're growing um, various substances uh, in the house, oh, yeah, right. you sometimes see like it's a glow like you might get from a, either an insect cuter yeah. or a sunbed coming yes. from the house. Yeah, yeah. It's not that type of light, is it? No, no, no. It's it's more it's just a bulb that goes blue, green, and red. I mean, I don't want to mock it. Like someone would have invented invented that, you know, that could have been their life's work. I yeah. feel bad mocking it. I can't remember the brand of your fridge, but it was one I hadn't come across before. Oh, is it? Come on, you'd have. I haven't. Really. What is it? It's, 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 I'm not going to say, but it's the number one um, fridge brand in the world. That fits into <laughs> that space that was in your price bracket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I've never heard. I've never heard of it. Really? Yeah. Okay. It, it seems like a made up. You know, if you were doing a TV show and you couldn't show Zanussi on the or, or Smeg or mm. whatever 
the popular brands are. Right. But you had to you had to make one up so your fridge looked realistic. It's right. whatever brand that is. I think it's either Turkish or Bulgarian. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Bulgaria, the fridge making capital of the world, exactly. and all that. Yeah. Um, but it it seems to me like a real move on their part that you would introduce this feature. Mm. They are either pioneers yes. who are about to take over the world of refrigeration, yes. specifically uh, with regards to lighting and the vegetable crisper, Mm-mm. or there is a reason you haven't heard of them, <laughs> and it's their devotion to this kind of feature. Right. I'll yeah. be interested to see how that we'll find that out. plays out. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Anyway, congratulations. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to have you back. I feel less like I'm living in medieval times now. You know what you should put in your fridge? Oh. Some kind of like butter, even <laughs> butter, some, something that would go nicely with boiled potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Right, shall we hear from the Drifters? Let's. First is from one of our regular contributors, Andy Reynard. Mm. Back in 1993, when I was in my early 20s, I won a competition and the prize was to live out a childhood dream. Surely that's a good thing. Wrong. The competition had been run in the local paper and the prize was to take penalties at half-time at Leeds United's last home game of the season, together with some former playing legends. To get on the pitch and kick a ball at the club I'd supported since I was a boy was exciting enough, but the list of players I would be on the pitch with meant I could hardly contain myself. Bobby Collins, Eddie Gray, Peter Lorimer. These were names I had grown up with, and Lorimer had been the hero of my early childhood. As I'm sure Jeff will be keen to tell us, Lorimer is Leeds United's all-time highest goalscorer. That's right. And in the 70s was famed for having the hardest shot in football, once measured at... How many miles per hour, Jeff? Correct, 19. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, I was just converting from kilometres. Of course you were. But they say you should never meet your heroes, don't they? Probably not for the reason I'm about to give, though. Myself and the four competition winners were told to assemble in the car park shortly before half-time. One by one, former players would also show up in this area. Mel, Zico Sterling was the first to appear, a player who'd only just retired due to an ankle injury. I'd been watching him perform till only recently and here he was shaking hands with me and saying hi as if this was completely normal, which in a way of course it should have been, but not if you're a drifter. The other competition winners said hello but then kept stum, but I couldn't bear standing around with a famous footballer saying nothing for more than I would estimate three seconds. So I said the first thing that came into my head, how's the ankle? Oh, not too bad, thanks, a bit sore. With that stunning interaction out of the way, I was left grasping for something else to say. But fortunately, other players were now arriving and I got to shake the hand of another childhood hero, Eddie Gray. Just waiting for Peter now, said the official who was supervising us. I knew who that meant. Maybe it was nerves or perhaps there was a chill in the air, but I pulled my leather jacket around myself and shoved my hands in my pockets. I wasn't keen on the flaps at the top of these pockets, so I always kept these pushed down inside. This meant there wasn't a lot of room in there, but at least they were keeping my fidgeting out of sight. We waited for the hero of my young childhood to show. Suddenly, here he was, striding towards our little group and greeting us with a big smile. We all said hello and he began shaking the hands of the competition winners one by one. I ended up at the end of the semicircle, which built up the moment just a little bit more. I tried to play it cool. At the end of the day, it was just a middle-aged bloke and I was only saying hello and shaking his hand. But so much of my childhood was wrapped up in memories of his exploits on the field. Friendships formed over a mutual love of his team, swapping football cards with his image on it, asking my mum to sew Lorimer's number seven on the back of my football shirt. It was difficult to pretend that this wasn't a big moment. He said, Hi, pleased to meet you, and offered me his hand. I said, Great to meet you. So far, so good. Yeah, this is, this is a good interaction. But the hand of this legend was still there to be shook. I made to extricate my hand from my pocket, but, oh no, it didn't want to come out. The flap was acting like a claw on my wrist, and when I pulled upwards, the jacket just came with it. I have never experienced it before or since, but it transpires that the length of time someone will proffer a handshake before withdrawing it is approximately one and a half seconds. And it's a one and a half seconds that seems like one and a half hours. 
He must have been deeply confused. The expression that flashed on his face certainly suggested so. On the one hand, I'm telling him that it's great to meet him. And on the other hand, I'm refusing to shake his hand. <laughs> Meanwhile, the hand that's caused this whole uncomfortable moment is trapped in a pocket. <laughs> We were now shown into a porter cabin so we could all get changed. The whole time I was getting my kit on, I was thinking about sidling up to Peter and explaining what had gone on with the handshake. <laughs> I couldn't think of a way of doing it that didn't make me sound like a complete weirdo. So the only alternative was to leave the whole awkward exchange to fester in the pit of my stomach where it would live the rest of my days. Postscript. I'd like to say that matters improved when I made it onto the pitch, but that would be a lie. That is a whole sorry tale of its own, though. So part two, we'll have to wait for another time. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. And this is from Steve. Great. I just wanted to say before we moved on to the next one, I once had to... A combination of how poorly it went and the fact it was during my drinking days, me and Pete had to go out onto the ice at a Manchester ice hockey team game i think they were called the giants at the 9x arena so a big stadium mm. in manchester i guess like at half time the interval right and shoot a puck into the net oh wow really yeah and did you manage it his thing mm. that memory has been erased oh and what i don't know is if that memory has been erased because it was so traumatic that I humiliated myself, which I can only imagine is what happened. Mm. Like, what I know for definite is it didn't go well. Right, of course not. No. But I just don't know whether I completely missed, fell over. I don't know if people were chanting things, at me, insults at me. Um, the, the memory is completely gone and I don't, I don't know if it's because it was so awful or because it was... Uh, my drinking was a bit out of control back right, then. Right, right. So there was that. But then, of course, I was going to mention that that story reminded me of the story about my brother when I introduced him to that racing driver. <laughs> Go on, yeah. I love which this. I know I've told this on the podcast before, but it just, it, it's, <laughs> it's that, that particular story is begging for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, some years ago, they did a big Formula One event in central London. I had to sit in. I think it was the Shaguar car from Austin Powers and be driven up and down Regent Street at breakneck speed by the Formula One driver Martin Brundle. Right. Crowds were lining the streets. It was this huge event. Uh, And my brother was visiting at the time and I brought him along with me because he has some interest in Formula One and I thought it would be fun for him to see that uh, that side of the event. I am introduced to Martin Brundle at some point or other, my initial introduction to him. My brother is lagging slightly behind, so as this happens, he's not with me. He then comes over and I say to this guy, oh, this is uh, this is my brother, Rob. Martin Brundle, being a normal human being, <laughs> puts his hand out to shake hands. My brother looks at his hand and says, no, you're all right, mate. Now, what went on in his head is he thought he he wasn't he, he was sort of feeling a bit overwhelmed, like he didn't belong there. Mm. It was just my thing, and he was tagging along like a spare part, and Martin Brundle didn't need to know who he was. Mm. The, the, the great racing driver doesn't need to yeah. you know, it's it's fine. He doesn't need to concern himself with my brother Rob when he's got bigger fish to fry and he's at the centre of this huge event. But to Martin Brundle, it just looked like putting out his hand to shake hands with somebody he'd just been introduced to. Somebody looking at his hand and going, nah, you're all right, right, mate. (laughs) So bad. bad. I know. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. I think the the second one was probably more worthy than the first one. Uh, And this is some Steve. I work work in an office and about three years, oh, sorry, in about three years, one... Try again. It's all right. I mean, it's a, it's a nothing, nothing's going to be as bad as me mentioning that Manchester Giants ice hockey thing without actually having a memory to go with the fact. I think I've worked out they've missed out the word ago. Okay. I, I don't know I about you, but when, 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 I, when this happens for me with mm. listener emails, mm. I always pretend it's my fault, not theirs, because I don't want to humiliate no. them or shame them. No, Steve so missed out the word ago, and he's going right. to take full responsibility okay. for this. Okay. I work in an office and about three years ago, one person's office was becoming particularly untidy. Books, papers everywhere, Sainsbury's bands, etc. 
strewn around. One night when I was leaving, I walked towards the office to say goodnight and jokingly said, blimey, Chris, this office is a tip. What's going on? Has Gemma kicked you out or something? In my peripheral vision, I could see another colleague just lower her de- her head into her desk a little, you know, what's coming. Oh, God. Actually, Steve, uh, Gemma and I are splitting up and I'm moving out of the family home next week into a flat around the corner. Oh, God. Two seconds of tumbleweed. Sorry to hear that, Chris. Uh, in which case, I'll let you off. Harris <laughs> <laughs> laughter. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, please send us your story. Um, and, you know, occasionally we will hear from people who say, I just feel like, yeah, the stories are so great on the podcast. Mine wouldn't be good enough. Just think of me launching into that thing there about the Manchester Giants ice hockey. <laughs> Just think about that. That's how low the bar is, despite the high standard of uh, correspondence from drifters. Please share your story of excruciating social moments. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. I am ready for another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult. On Friday, I picked my son up from preschool. Outside his preschool is a large area of grass where he likes to run around after preschool because the previous six hours of running around isn't enough to satisfy his running around needs. They love running around, don't they? They love a run around. Run around. Yeah. Why don't they bring that back? I don't have lots of reasons. Well, I know Mike Reed is no longer with us. Yeah. Probably some other reasons as well. I don't know. I think those shows are a bit out of fashion, aren't they? I don't know. Yeah, but there's no such thing as a... a, uh, There are no new ideas. Right. And somebody said to me with regards to music recently, I thought mm. it was quite wise, that what connected that music with a young person, the magic that's inherent in it, mm. is still there. You've just got to figure out how to mine it and connect it to a new generation. Well, TV producers The same listening. applies to run around. Yeah, do you know, something with it. Trying to think who is the modern equivalent of Mike Reed. Don't ask me. I don't know who the modern, modern equivalent of anybody is, really. No, no. We'll just have to leave that. Yeah, okay. Okay, so by this grass, there are some benches that belong to a sports social club. It's a members-only situation. So Rudy is running around with his friend, and I'm talking to his friend's mum. Don't worry, I haven't made friends with another preschool mum. Nearly a year in, I'm still at the awkward smile with the eyes, and that's it. (laughs) This mum also happens to be my neighbour, and her son's the same age as mine, so we were friends already. Just wanted to clear that up. Now, we weren't sitting on the benches, but we have both put a bag on the benches. There are about six benches in total all with tables and it's very important to note that they are all empty there is not a person in sight and then the man who runs the social club comes out and says to us very tersely while nodding quite aggressively towards our bags you need to leave those benches free for customers now in terms of a leaving bags on an empty seat situation we are a very very long way away from the time that i was on a busy tube train and all seats were taken and lots of people were standing and when the person next to me got up a man about four or five people away threw his bag over the heads of everyone else onto the newly vacant seat to bag see it and then pushed past everyone else and sat down we are a very very long way from that very long way but anyway we do what any normal person would do and we say oh sorry and we move our bags but i don't think what happens next in my head is normal I'm immediately incensed and in the intervening three days, here's the various fates that have befallen that man. After he went back inside, he uh, received a call from HMRC letting me know that he was facing a tax audit and they discover he's been fiddling the books and he gets fired. (laughs) After he goes back inside, he receives a surprise inspection from health and safety and they discover mice, rat, cockroach and pigeon droppings under the fridge and he's shut down for months. (laughs) After he goes back inside, Tom Cruise lands in a helicopter on the field and says to me, do you know anywhere I can get a drink around here? I did eat some kind of sports club and I'm willing to pay, you know, upwards of 80,000 bucks for one pint. (laughs) And I say, sorry, I don't. And he flies away again. After he goes back inside, the judges for the prestigious best sports club in the world, social club in the world competition, pull up in an unmarked van and notice me and my friend and say, this sports club is in the running to win the £1 million prize, but they need to know how friendly the management are. And I say, well, I find him very terse, actually. (laughs) And they look disappointed and then nod sadly and they speed off in their unmarked van. I'm not sure how normal it is to rage so intensely and for so long after a small slight like this. And it's just been three days. Like This is going to last like for at least one more year and realistically for life. <laughs> I want to ask my friend if she's thought about it at all since the event, but I'm too scared that it was so insignificant to her that she won't even really remember it. 
One more example. The next day I was in Waitrose. I was at the till with a trolley and my son was sitting in the trolley seat. So it was one of those big trolleys. And I was pushing it from the conveyor belt end to the paying end. And I very slightly clipped the trolley of the 50 something woman on the till next to me. And the very slight clip meant her trolley went ever so slightly into her stomach. We're talking a gentle nudge. Mm. And straight away, I said sorry, but she acted like I'd so bruised every internal organ that they'd all immediately need transplanting. So it's very sad that the manager who'd seen the incident came over and said that he was sick of overreactors and banned her for life. (laughs) And when she got back to her car, every window had been smashed by an out-of-control heron. And when she got back home, she'd just missed an unplanned meet and greet on her street with her all-time idol, Prince Charles. In my head, anyway. What is wrong with me? Don't answer that. I can't cope with any slight at all. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. notice anything odd about my son on Saturday when we came over to your house? No. Tell me. In the morning, I was upstairs getting ready to leave. While I was uh, doing that, he asked my wife if she would paint his face like the Spider-Man from the Spider-Verse film. Okay which is a slightly different colour scheme to the Spider-Man that you you may be bringing to mind if you're not familiar with that film. In other words, think uh, the the costume he wears is completely black. Mm. That's the base of it. Mm. And then there's white webbing over it. Yeah. And then red circles around the eyes. Oh, okay. This is what he asked Sarah to paint on his face. Now... I think she would be the first person to admit that she is not what you might call arts and craftsy. Right. Okay. So I came downstairs and the the you know, the, the the most the kindest interpretation of what she'd done was that he looked like a coal miner wearing enormous glasses. <laughs> The interpretation that worried me slightly more is it it looked like he was in blackface. Right, yes, yes. So you didn't I see us it. turn up and I think, I oh, this is, uh, this is a bit Justin Trudeau. Uh, obviously, yes, I did notice it. And I, and I, I thought maybe you it was supposed you... to be an animal or something. I thought like right, he'd gone to, right, you know right, when right. you go to fairs and they do face painting, right. I thought he'd gone to like someone like a knockoff face painter, like someone who wasn't Hang going. on, you thought somebody had charged money for that? <laughs> But somebody who was who shouldn't have been doing right it. should have had their license. Makes yeah. you think. I don't know if, if there are licenses required, <laughs> no. but that made me think. Oh, it probably should be quite heavily regulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It was more. It was more like someone had scribbled quite intensely on his face. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, yeah. it looked like he'd done it himself. I think it's fair to say. Yeah, it did. Okay. It did. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't think. Oh, I didn't know your son was uh, an Al Jolson fan. I didn't help that he was wearing sunglasses when he turned up, so I didn't see the red ring. Yeah. I just saw the black. Yeah, yeah. That didn't help at no, all. It wasn't. Uh... Or to the, uh, the yeah, to the people on your journey to my house, I imagine. Well, we went. We went to. Um, he and I went to the local shops mm. after we got back, and I was quite worried about what it looked like. Mm. Not worried enough to put in the elbow grease of wiping it off yeah because it is a bugger to get off mm, face paint mm. we went to um we we went to this this is going somewhere i promise it sounds boring and it is boring but it's going somewhere we we went to buy a bicycle pump from the local shop near us and on the way there we passed the 24-hour shop that we quite often go in to buy groceries and there is 
a homeless woman who is often outside that shop that I will often stop and have a chat with. And Jean is very friendly with her as well. And um, we, we just have a nice, uh, we have a nice chat with her with some frequency. So we see her on Saturday and as we're approaching, she says, oh, hello, he's getting big, isn't he? She's talking about Jean, not me. She's saying that about Jean to me, not the other way around. Mm. Um, and I say, God, he is. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't mention the face paint, which is good. And I say, how are you? And she says, oh, I'm just having an awful day. I mean, I've been out for hours. I've, you know, hardly got any money together. I don't know that I'm going to be able to get into a hostel tonight. Um People don't carry cash anymore, which is true. I mean, yeah. I, I don't carry cash yeah. almost ever, really. Yeah. Uh, and she said, and one person said they were going to go into the shop and use the cash machine in there and give me 20 quid, which would, you know, get me in a hostel. I'd have enough then to go in for two nights. Yeah. And they went in and there was a two pound charge on the cash machine. So they came out and said, oh, I can't because there's a charge. Okay. And she said, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just having an awful day. So I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I've, I've not got money, cash on me either, but I'll, I'll see you on the way back. See you on the way back. So then as I'm saying that, I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to a cash machine. I'm going to get a £20. Mm. I'm not saying this to sound like a hero, mm. as uh, hopefully will become apparent. So then um, after we go to the bike shop, I say to Jen, oh, we have to, Jean, we have to go to the cash machine. He said, what for? I said, oh, we have to give our friend, I said, I'd like to give our friend some money. We don't know her name. Right. We've talked to her so often that it would be weird to ask her name. Okay. There's an opportunity. There's a the window of opportunity and we missed it. Yeah, yeah. I think after about the third time we had a conversation with her, mm. we should have said, oh, by the way, what's your name? Mm-mm. Didn't happen. It would be too weird to ask now. So we're, we're, So I, I explained to him and I'm trying to think, how can I explain this to a five-year-old? And what I say is, uh, she needs to get some money together to stay in a hostel tonight because he knows that she, she doesn't have a home. That's something that he understands. And he says, oh, what's that? I say, well, it's it's kind of like a, a hotel, but hotels are expensive and uh, these are places for people who are down on their luck because it's so expensive, a place like London, and uh, it, it can just, just be difficult. It's a place where if you can get a bit of money together, you can pay them for a bed for the night while you get yourself sorted out, you know, if, you, um, if you're having a tough time of it and you've not got much money. And he just seems to grasp that straight away. Okay. Which is wonderful. Mm. We then approach her. I've got the money in my hand. Something really embarrassing happens, first of all, which is Jean grabs it out of my hand mm. and goes and gives it to her, which I just find really awkward because I don't want to look like I think it's cute to have my kid mm-hmm. give her the money. I just mm-hmm. wanted to give her the money. And mm. I, don't, I think it, I don't mind him giving money to buskers, but I think there's something a bit uncomfortable about a kid kid giving the money to the kid to give to the homeless person. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So she's so pleased. She says, oh, thank you so to me. She says, oh, thank you so much. Um, I'll, be able to, I'll, be, I'll be able to get into the hostel now for two nights. I say, oh, that's fan- fantastic. She then turns to him and says, um, a hostel is like where, you, you know, when you go on your holidays and you stay in a hotel, a hostel's like that. Jean then goes, yeah, but for people who don't have much money. Oh, <gasps> oh, right. Wow. Uh, oh, what does she say? Well, it's just this uncomfortable moment. I then start babbling about something or other or nothing or I don't even know what. Maybe the blackface. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. But he's not said anything wrong. All no, he's done he's is repeated the information that I've told him. Yeah. But God, it sounded brutal coming out of his mouth to her. Yeah. At least he didn't say people who were down on their luck. Like for some reason, that would be worse. <laughs> Do you think I should have said something different to him? <laughs> No, you were just you were just telling him what it is. Do you think there was a way of explaining it that was would would be more sensitive? Yeah, maybe add on the end, but don't repeat that back to her. <laughs> <laughs> he really needs to know learn that lesson of what you say to people's faces and what you say behind the back, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, so two two other quick things, and they I know this is all a bit kind of um, or largely a bit 
uh, kids say the funniest things. On Sunday, we took him to the pictures and then we were taking him to a restaurant for his favourite lunch of pasta. So he was quite giddy and he can get into this mood when he's giddy that he walks through the street proclaiming his love for everything. A bit like who will buy this beautiful mormon. Aww. So he's like, I love that tree. I'm having the greatest day. He'll say things like that as we're going along. Aww. We are walking from the cinema, which is in uh, Leicester Square in London's West End, in the centre of London, to a pasta restaurant in Soho. As we were walking through Soho, he exclaims loudly as we walk past the open door of a shop. I love that shop. Gay fetish wear. Right, yeah, of course it was. Oh, God. I so hope someone saw that. It was sex tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people were laughing. Then he felt a bit embarrassed and that was kind of awkward. They would have have gone home and loved it. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. A kid walking past like... Oh, my favourite shop. I love that shop. Uh, and then the other thing is, so when we get to this pasta restaurant, I I am tasked with staying at the table, asking for the bill and paying it, while Sarah and him go off for her to look at some shoes in a shop. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those occasions when I just cannot get the attention of what had previously been the very attentive um, waitress. Right. Why do I feel uncomfortable with the word waitress in 2021? Didn't we have a conversation with these? Aren't you supposed to say waiting staff or something? I can't remember now. Server? Mm. Yeah. Um, Server seems so subservient, though. I know, I know. It's very difficult. Anyway, the the point being, it had been very easy to get her attention. Now it isn't. I'm doing that thing where I'm kind of putting my hand up, but she she keeps either not looking at me or being obscure from view and I ended up sitting at this table for probably another almost 15 minutes on my own Mm. while I get the bill paid and in those 15 minutes a family come and sit down at the table immediately next to mine it's a big family and they're having some kind of celebration and pretty soon after they sit down they start singing happy birthday. Mm-hmm. I then join in because that's what I'm used to doing in restaurants if somebody at the next table is having a celebration. Mm. You know, often I'm doing it to make the person I'm with laugh or whatever, but you know, mm. it's, it's, I think it's a done thing, right? If a table near you's, you, you all kind of look over and go wow and sing along with a happy birthday and it's a bit awkward when you don't know their name when it gets to that <laughs> bit. But then I realise, because I'm on my own, mm. it looks insane. Yeah. And I'm now worried that I made their birthday depressing <laughs> by being a man on his own at a table in a restaurant trying to join in with the birthday song. I also wonder if it's not like a, that was a bit of a pre-COVID times thing to happen, like everyone singing. Like that. I think maybe... Thinking, it was an outdoor table, oh, so transmit... Okay. Yeah, 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 but you make, you make a good point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great excuse for never singing Happy Birthday again, isn't Sorry, it? Sorry, guys, COVID, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, good. Well, there we go. I think something good has come out of all this. Right, Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle. Okay, first one from Ellen, Protector of the Realm. My 30th birthday is at the end of of July. I was about to say the July, but she didn't write that. In a very undrifted-like move, I've decided to have a birthday party for the first time since I turned 18. About six weeks ago, I booked a lovely local independent cafe for the venue, which has a large open patio at the back, for the afternoon of Sunday the 25th of July. The capacity is 50 to 60 people. Currently, restrictions allow mixing outdoors with up to 30 people. So to play it safe, I invited that many. My plan was to wait and see what happened with the planned easings of restrictions on the 21st of June. And at that point, if it was then an option, send invitations out to the rest of the people on my invite list. As you well know, so-called Freedom Day has been pushed back to the 19th of July. And there has been some suggestions recently that it may end up going back even later, or there may only be a partial further easing. As of now, I'm still at 30 party invitees. My question is, should I assume that by the 25th of July, meeting with any number of people outdoors will be allowed and send out my remaining invites with a month's notice? 
or should I wait until we know for sure what the new rules will be for the 19th of July, running the risk that the announcement is quite close to the date itself and I then have to send invites within only a week or two to notice, or do I just play it safe and leave it at 13? On the one hand, it's been so long since I've seen my family and friends that I think it'd be really lovely to get everyone together to celebrate my birthday. Plus, the more people there, the less the social pressure there will be for me to spend a significant amount of time with each attendee plus more presents. On the other hand, if I do invite more people and then the easing of restrictions is pushed back again, I would then have to uninvite them, which frankly sounds like the single most excruciating thing I can ever imagine having to do. Your help would be very much appreciated. Oh, this is really difficult. So as I was listening to it, I thought, why would you want a party with more than 30 people at it? Anyway, like for for me, I don't want to party. Mm. So the lower the number of people, the better. But she makes an excellent point about the dilution mm. of interaction that you get with a large number of people. In many ways, it could be easier. Yes. Mm. So so that then takes that off the table. So then I, I'm I'm listening to that uh, that that story, and I'm thinking, well, here's your problem. If you invite the remaining twenty people. As if you're just inviting them to a party and then the restrictions stay in place and you have to invite them, mm. you would have to get the existing 30 people to swear some kind of oath to never speak of your party publicly. Oh, you pretend the party had been cancelled. Yes. You wouldn't say, and you're obviously a tier two guest, no. grade B list. But I just don't know how possible that is in this day and age, because of social media and people loving blabbing about everything. Too stressful, too stressful. I think either you take the risk and then you just have to cancel the whole thing if Mm. it doesn't pan out, or you stick to 30. I can't think of any other solution. Because, yeah, you can't admit to the people who can't come anymore. You could could set up some kind of rota. You're allowed to do that. Like you can come between three and five and five. And and then you could say, well, I've changed. This is it. So you tell your A-listers the parties between three and five. Mm. You tell your B-listers the parties between five and seven. And then if the restrictions change, you can email everyone saying, sorry, uh, I've got the timings wrong. Did I say three till five? I meant three till seven. And I thought that's genius. Well, two sittings. Two sittings. That... Turn into, yeah, I think that's great. A shift system. Yeah. And then and then no one really know if whether, whether, and you can mix up the A's and B's. So no one really know whether they're A list or B list. But you could even be honest about it. You could say, Here, here's, here's, here's the thing. I've got, because I don't know what's going on with restrictions, mm. I'm putting in a preemptive shift system. Mm where half the people can come between these hours and the other half can come between these hours. Mm. If, however, if, however, mm. the restrictions are lifted, mm. then it's a free-for-all and come whenever. I actually think we have come up with a good solution. This is brilliant. I, th- I think we've done it. This is so good. <laughs> but I'm all, almost listening to it and thinking, I think all parties should operate on, on that shift, shift system. system. The difficulty comes at the end of the first shift. Mm. People... And whether the venue would allow it, but it's people not finishing their drinks, turfing them out. Maybe you could do have like a half an hour window, like you know, say um, like children's parties. They're mm. like they're, they're built in like an hour's clean up time for the next party yeah, starts. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you do like three till five, and then five thirty till seven thirty, something like I bet that. You must have. I bet one of your friends is the sort of person who would love ushering people out, <laughs> yelling at them. Uh, yeah, this we, is great. Yeah. Okay. Well, well that, that, hope that was. Works. The, uh, what what a privilege to see your brain at work. <laughs> okay. Right, next one. This is from Nathaniel. Yesterday, my seven-year-old daughter went to a friend's house to help celebrate their birthday. One part of that celebration was a McDonald's meal. First of all, I should say my daughter was only meant to be around there for a short time. And even though she asked the mother to let us know she was going to eat there, we were not informed. Not too much of a big deal, I know, but quite inconsiderate. The real problem then occurred as they proceeded to drive to McDonald's in a van with no child seats. My daughter had to put on her own seatbelt, on which she says she only just managed to do before they drove off and that it felt loose. Obviously, I'm furious, but is there anything to gain from a confrontation? Should we just make sure my daughter never gets in a car with them again, which should be easy? Or should there be a conversation so they may learn to be careful with other people's children in the future? Oh, God. 
I mean, are you, you are seriously asking me if it's a good idea to have a confrontation? Yeah, I think yeah, we all yeah, know the answer yeah. to that. I mean, no. If you really feel the weight of history uh, on your shoulders in that way, like you're going to make this big change, then go for it. But otherwise, no, poor protocol. You don't no. say anything, do you? No, it'd be just. I mean, they were they was they were very. They did they did wrong. We can all yeah agree. yeah they we did, could all agree they that. did big wrong. Yeah, but no, I would. It's not. It's impossible to say anything. And you don't feel. I I I think here what I'm noticing is like some kind of projected an- anxiety about the safety of others. Mm, uh, right, yeah. but you the uh, the fear of conflict is greater than the uh, harm to others potential harm to others' bodies. You could set up a like a a um, anonymous Gmail account and send them kind of some road safety videos. You could hire one of those policeman strippograms, kissograms, <laughs> and it'd be a relief for them because. The job you would be asking of them isn't a kissing or a stripping. <laughs> it is to pull this person over and give them a talking to about seatbelts and the like. How convincing? I haven't seen one of these for a long time. How convincing mm. are their uniforms? Well, probably not that convincing, but mm. do you want to risk getting on the wrong side of the law? Mm-mm. Well, I think that's a perfect solution. Hire a police officer strippergram mm. yep. and ask them to do no stripping no kissing no hugging mm. but um yeah give them a road safety lecture i think once again we've done a very good solution Marvelous. on fire wow And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening as ever. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, you need to know what the social etiquette is in a situation where you're feeling a little uncomfortable, then you can ask us. Um, you can also share, and we would really like it if you did this, your story of excruciating social interactions with us, your attempts to pass yourself off as a functional member of the human race, gone awry. Uh, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett took the photos. And uh, I'll finish this week by saying I'm sorry to hear that, Chris. Uh, I'll let you off. All right, this comes from Richard Falkingham. That's a such a distinguished name. Very solid name, mm. yes, like that. Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. Hi. Hi. I would like to dedicate this podcast to my future self. I've been listening since the radio days. I bought Annabelle's book about two years ago, and I've almost finished it. Oof. Good going. It's like War and Peace, that thing. Yeah, isn't it? I'm not a prolific reader, as you might have realised. I've only ever finished a handful of books and dread ever starting a new one, but I am confident of reaching the end. I'm extremely honoured, but extremely honoured. You should um, you should put that on the jacket of the second edition. <laughs> second edition. <laughs> anyway, uh, since the radio show finished, I've missed you guys. I did talk uh, talk my wife into getting tickets for the Hebden Bridge show uh, she doesn't listen to you but she did enjoy it that's nice I mean very nice I think there was, was the odd person there who was in a similar situation and I just felt terrible for them Mm-mm, but she enjoyed it wow yeah. hasn't started listening again since but that's fine no, no. no expectations there maybe we've got wider appeal than I suspect <laughs> I knew about the podcast, but I'm not great with technology and could never work out how to listen to it. A few months ago, I saw an ad for Spotify, free for 30 days, and after downloading my favourite tunes, I realised I could get your podcast. I started listening to the latest episodes, then went back to episode one and started from the beginning. It's like going back in time. Rusty Scruff has been pushed aside now. Rudy is here. I'm hoping Rusty makes a comeback once the baby novelty has worn off. I'm now up to week 35. I'd be surprised if... uh, if Richard gets this far, but well, you never know, yeah. do you? You never know. When was this sent? I think it was sent in December, so okay. about six months okay, ago. Okay, yeah. that's uh, modest by mm. recent standards, mm-hmm. isn't it? I loved seeing Rusty at the weekend. Did you? Good. I feel that like he's very distinguished in old age. Not not old age, but how old is he? Five. Is he only five? Is he? Yeah, he's just five. I feel that like he's just got a. Uh, 
I don't know, like a statesman-like quality to him now. He's grown into himself. Really has. Um, I'm thinking if you dedicate a show to me, I will hear it in about 12 months' time, by which time I'm hoping COVID has gone and Boris Johnson too. I'm hoping the world will be full of drifters and nice people. I'm hoping Britain has decided to rejoin the EU I suspect the nasty people will still be complaining and blaming everything on immigration, but who knows? If you do read this out, then you'll never know when I get around to hearing it. But for me, it will be like some sort of weird back to the future moment. Keep up the work. See you in the future. Well, I think it's safe to say that whatever people's opinions on the issues of the day and the people running them. I think the people listen to this podcast are very broadly and, and without exception nice people. Yes, definitely. Just running through in my mind everybody I know who listens to it that we've received correspondence from and I can't think of anybody I've taken again. No, no one's standing out that no. I dislike, no. Um Richard, what a lovely... This is like a time capsule for mm. Richard to dig up at some point in the future. Yeah. I wonder when that will be. Do let us know. If we're still around. Mm. I don't foresee an early death for you. You, you sort of have the air of somebody <laughs> it's who... It's not what we, any of us were thinking, like death, but yeah. Anyway. Oh, it's the first thing I was thinking. Oh, right, right. When I said if we're still around, I thought, oh God, I'm, I'm tempting fate here. <laughs> I'm going to die young. I mean young. I think that's, that's past. Yeah. <laughs> Those days are gone. It's not like going to be James Dean, no. even if I went tomorrow, no, is it? No, no, no. Well, Richard, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us, for finding us again and sticking with us. And there is the latest edition of the podcast. It is a time capsule for Richard Falkingham. And if you'd like a publication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.